Chapter six of the Brown Brethren. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Brown Brethren by Patrick McGill. Chapter six Christmas Eve. The sergeant's water bottle's full, but it is strange to see the sergeant on the ear old for some water for his tea. But ain't it strange when night is on and we are out of sight? The sergeant takes his bottle out and swigs from it all night. Cold water, cold water, co oh oh old cold water. From the Lost Rum Ration It was about seven o'clock in the evening, and an unusual silence brooded over the Lowe's Salem. In the trenches the silence always broods. The soldiers, not knowing what the moment may bring forth, are uneasy, and the eternal hidden menace of the unknown is intensified by the stillness. The evening was intensely dark. Black, impenetrable shadows bulked in the trenches and became the color of the parapet, Parados and Bay. Objects quite near at hand took on strange fantastic shapes and looked like men lying asleep on the fire steps. Only a closer examination would show that the phantoms were sandbags or ammunition boxes. Many of the boys were smoking. The lighted cigarettes glowed like rubies set in an illimitable spread of ebony. It was raining. A soft, almost caressing rain dropped sleekly and helplessly down on the firing line. In this manner it had been falling for hours. The trenches were filled to the fire step with slush and muck. The duck boards were afloat, and men changing their position in the trench clambered out over the top and walked along the reverse slope of the parapet. Now and again a wayfarer stuck in the clinging quicksand of the trench floor only to free himself when he succeeded in climbing out of his Wellington boots. Fitzgerald sat down on the fire step and sank into the soft mud. So complete was the stillness that he could distinctly hear all the varied sounds of the night mingling together in a long-drawn, slumberous murmur, the far-off death lullaby of a heavy shell, the soft, quivering croon of the damp wind, the slough of a boot as a soldier walked along the trench, the vague murmurings from a nearby dugout, the innervating sizzle of falling rain, and the varied, indefinable night movements of nature blended sleepily together in a slumber that made for nightmares and fevered dreams. Fitzgerald dozed off, only to wake in an instant by hearing voices speaking very close to him. Spudhole, my rifle is full of dirt. Half a sandbag of chalk has gone down the barrel, said the voice of Bowdy Benners. Mine is full of muck, too, said Spudhole. There was an indifference in his tones. He seemed to have lost all interest in his best friend, his Ipe. I don't give a damn, he muttered. A knife's only made to be clean in this year war, as far as I can see. When is the rum coming up? Bowdy inquired. Probably we'll get none tonight. Sup, said Bub, round the next bay in the dugout. Well, I'm off, said Bowdy. I'm half frozen. I'm for a good tot if it's going. By the way, he asked, as if it had suddenly occurred to him, how many of our fellows were blown up by the mine this morning? Seven or eight, said Bob, or maybe more. And to think that tonight's Christmas Eve, said Benners, as if the conversation had forcibly reminded him of the fact. 
the two men clambered over the top and made their way towards the dugout from which the rum was issued fitzgerald got up and followed as he crawled over the sandbags a star-shell rose in the darkness and lit the scene of war the country showed wet and livid the barbed wire entanglements wound crookedly along the levels the wires stretching out waiting for their prey with threatening barbs in the brooding silence and the locality of war hate and vengeance persisted and were well in keeping with an ominous night and here it seemed they found their most direct expression fitzgerald looked around and queer fragmentary thoughts rioted in his head he remembered a verse of a song which he had once heard and repeated it aloud here comes i jack straw such a man you never saw through a rock through a reel through an old spinning wheel through a mill hopper through a bag of pepper sheep shanks chicken bone give me a kiss or leave me alone what has put that nonsense into your mind he asked himself probably it is because it is part of a christmas carol and this is christmas eve two thousand years gone by and the message of the prince of peace not made manifest yet well i wonder if the rum is waiting he made his way into the trench again and came inside of the dugout with its candle lit in a niche of the chalky wall and its huddled occupants lying on the floor a few no doubt were asleep two or three were sitting their backs against the chalk their heads bent down almost between their knees all were dressed in sheepskin coats khaki trousers and high boots and wore full equipment their cartridge pouches being well stocked with ammunition although a bank of earth was heaped up on the doorstep did not prevent the water from dripping inside the floor of the dugout was as mucky as the floor of the trench stooping down fitzgerald crawled in through the narrow door of the shelter bub was already inside scraping the muck from his boots with a clasp knife behind him with his back against the wall sat bowdy benners cutting a lump of cheese into small portions the cheese was a big item of the christmas eve rations he was sitting down now his head thrust forward his big hands busy with the cheese as fitzgerald entered he looked up then glanced round the dugout not much grub tonight, boys he said four biscuits a half tin of bully and a piece of cheese for each man and the rum asked bub forestalling every man with a question it's here all right said bowdy they stared open-mouthed for a full second then a roar of delight echoed through the dugout and the sleepers awoke bub rose to his feet whirled his clasp knife round his hand endeavored to dance a jig and only stopped when his head came in forcible contact with a roof for the third time fitzgerald chuckled a glow of satisfaction lit up his handsome face and his eyes rested lovingly on the sandbag which stood in an angle of the wall near the door then he lay back rested his head on the wall and stared at the candle in that position he looked a very charming boy and he knew it in civil life he must have been very fond of society the company of notable people and above all of pretty women again he looked at the sandbag and the angle of the wall but his eyes were not the only ones fixed on that object and no wonder the sandbag contained the rum jar well what about a tot asked bub bowdy rose and took the sandbag into the middle of the room where he uncovered the precious jar and filled a mess tin of liquor he handed the tin to bub cheero said the cockney and drank 
He passed the tin round and wiped his lips. There's some guts in rum, he muttered, and his voice was full of emotion. God, it don't half warn you up the inside of a bloke. Now what about a Christmas dinner? He continued. Bully ain't what one would call tres bon, is it? Christmas dinner or bully beef? Go blimey, that's no blurry good. It's a funny thing that a full belly always is associated with happiness, said Fitzgerald, shaking his head and laughing loudly. Rum went easily to his head. If a man gets merry, he feeds well, and if a child is born to him, he stuffs himself with viands. So is his belly. Always, said Bub, reaching a second time for the mess tin. Doesn't matter what Fitz wants, remarked Bowdy Benner, sinking his chin into the collar of his sheepskin coat. What I say is this, we must have a Christmas dinner tomorrow. How can we get one, Fitz inquired. Easy enough, that, said Bowdy. I know an old woman of the cafe, Columphy. A parcel of good things could be got there for a few francs. I could go down to Le Brevis in an hour. But they're shelling the road, Fitzgerald remarked, blowing holes in it, and the houses are flying about the streets. Not only that, but you're not supposed to go away from here. And again, all shops are closed at nine o'clock. It's well past eight now. But that doesn't matter, said Bowdy. The woman of the cafe is a great friend of mine. You're a sly old dog, Bowdy, said Bub. No one would think that to look at you. Bowdy went red in the face and proceeded to buckle his equipment, his hands trembling a little over the job. We'll have a collection anyhow, said Fitzgerald, and he flung a coin into his mess tin. Several coins followed, and in the end, the magnificent sum of twelve francs fifty was collected. Bowdy put the money in his pocket, took a last long-drawn pull at a cigarette, and went outside. I'll be back again in no time, were his final words. The men turned their attention to the rum jar again. Tongues were loosened, and stories of past Christmases went round the dugout. Bub, strong on the traditions of the regiment, told the story of the brigadier's kit inspection at St. Albans, the Christmas previous. The old brig come round when he was inspecting us, and he looked at my pack, said Bub. That's the neatest pack I see it in the whole battalion, said the brig. Have you got everything that's laid down in orders in that your pack, he says to me. Everything, I says. I know that the contents of a nice pack is always nice and clean, he says. I'll have a look at your pack. Take it off and take out everything and lay them out, he says. Cor blimey, I did what he ordered me, and my bloomin' pack was full of straws. T'was lighter to carry than the ordinary caboose. Fourteen days, Spudhole, Bob concluded. Fitzgerald was singing a song and waving an empty mess tin over his head. The song was one of his own making, a Rabelaisian production with a snappy chorus. All joined in and drank in turn. Suddenly they heard the dull rumble of approaching shells and the loud explosions of the missiles in the fields outside. Fitzgerald lit a cigarette and finished a chorus. They're strafing again, he said. The damned pastime will never come to an end. End of chapter 6